Hey everybody, what's up? <laughs> We're in the tech booth. Hey, everybody, we're in the tech booth. Morgan didn't want to do this, but we're doing it. Oh, we were actually on.
Good morning, everybody. The book of Isaiah says these words. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. And if we put it into today's terms, shout it louder, church. Shout it louder, Cab City. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And he will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Today we worship the Lion of Judah. He's a lamb in other parts of Scripture, but he is a lion in all of his strength. Let's glorify him today.
Yeah. 
glorious day.
My name is Jordan, and we are so happy that you guys have come to join us this morning. Um, but I'll be honest, normally, you know, my job is to welcome you guys, make you feel special, let you know how glad we are that you're here. But let's be real. You just walked into a building in which there's essentially an unlimited supply of bacon awaiting you. So that's all, that's all the welcoming we can do. We can't do any better than that. I don't know what you people want more than that. Okay, did you get any bacon yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you didn't, this is the one day... It's fine to get up and just, in the middle of the service, go out there and grab some, okay? Doc Pattison cannot fault you for doing that, even in the middle of the sermon, okay? You have my permission. We are glad that you're here. Also, um, I, do, I will say, I, I won't name any names, but I heard a conversation just a few minutes ago out in the lobby, two ladies, and one was like, oh my goodness, that is some beautiful lip gloss. Where did you get that? And the other one kind of just was a little bashful, and she said, it's actually bacon grease. <laughs> You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's all I can say on that. Uh, it is also apparently, um, in addition to Bacon Sunday, Father's Day. I don't know if you got the memo on that, right? So I just want to say uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I'm still relatively new at this thing. Yep, yep, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I've got three little ones, so I'm still figuring this out. You, as a parent, you ultimately, you figure out 
that your parents really were just kind of feeling their way through this whole thing, right? I mean, there are no experts out there. There's two things I know about fatherhood. Number one um, that I've learned is it is one of the most rewarding things on the planet. And number two, it is one of the most challenging things on the planet. So let's just, all you non-fathers, can we give a hand to the fathers out there who are trying today? Happy Father's Day to everybody. Absolutely. All right. In regard to today's service, though, a couple things we want to make you guys aware of. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to be having the first of our summer block parties right here at the church. It'll be on June 30th, Saturday night from 6 to 8. This is just a time, guys, for us to get together and fellowship as a family. Uh, we're going to have some hot dogs, hamburgers, that sort of thing. It will be held right out back in the party shed. Um, so make sure to put that on your calendar. We've got a green space out there. We've got the playground now. So uh, you feel free to invite people if you want to, but this is just a time for us to get together as a family. So make sure to put that on your calendar. If you are a dude, not necessarily a father, but a man, we also want to invite you next week, next Saturday the 24th, to our men's breakfast. That'll be happening starting at 7.30. Do it a little bit early on a Saturday morning so you can get to whatever else you have planned for the weekend. But they listen, they go all out. They've got bacon at that. That's kind of a theme of our church, apparently. They've also got sausage and scrambled eggs and all that sort of thing. Um, great time to fellowship, connect with other dudes in the church, and we'll have a brief message. But make sure to put that on your calendar as well for next Saturday the 24th. Now, as far as today goes, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple concepts that are kind of lost in our culture, I think. Number one, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a gentleman, right? Seems like we've kind of lost our way in that regard. And I think it's because being a gentleman involves two core concepts that our culture just has no concept of. Number one, being a man, right? If there's one thing we're confused about in this culture, it's masculinity and being a man, right? We have all these things that float around that, like toxic masculinity, and you just got to man up. Like we clearly as a culture have no idea about that concept. And number two, the other part of being a gentleman is the gentle part, right? I mean, we don't really have a great concept for what it is to be gentle. Like most of us probably think, we think gentle, we think like a wilting flower or weakness. When in reality, gentleness is the opposite of that. It's not weakness, it's strength, it's power, but under control, right? Well, Doc's going to break all that down for us in detail here in a little bit, but I thought to warm us up this morning, we'd do a little fun activity. I really want to find out who is the greatest gentleman at Capital City. Anybody else want to kind of curious about who that might be? Okay, all right. I mean, like three of you, the rest of you guys can wake up if you want to, or you don't have to participate. I don't know. I took it upon myself, though, for this contest to select the cream of the crop. Okay, I watched everybody as they came in. I've selected three, and I will call them out now. You three gentlemen that I tapped, please come on up st on stage. See one over here. I see one over there. Should be Robert. There he is. Okay, get up here. Come on, gentlemen. Come on. Wow, the competition's already started. <laughs> Gentlemen, if you will come right over here, step behind those pieces of tape. Oh, pardon me, pardon me, you're fine, wow. So much class. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the cream of the crop at Capital City Christian Church. Yeah, that was a little, in a line, gentlemen, side by side. All right, now here are the rules, okay? We have developed Steve. Um, Steve, of course, is not gonna participate because that would be unfair. But he did come up with the uh, questions. We're going to ask a series of 10 questions. Now, gentlemen, if, well, I shouldn't call you gentlemen because we haven't established that yet, but um, <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you these 10 questions, and this is, you're going to self-assess, okay? If you can say yes, if you can answer that question in the affirmative, you're going to take a little step forward. So I'm going to get behind the tape. Get behind the tape. See the tape? Okay. No. Right there. You're good. All right. So if you can say, if you can say yes, then you're going to take a step forward. If you have to answer no, you're going to take a step back. And at the end of the day, 
the, first, the person who's furthest out front is the greatest gentleman here at Capital City Christian Church, okay? And I want you to answer these questions as if your wife were answering them for you, okay? <laughs> so be honest. And if wives... Okay, Shane. Felicia, if you're out there, you can answer for Shane. Any, okay, all right, there you are. Okay, all right. You guys get it? Does this make sense? A little bit? Okay. All right. Uh, first question on the board here. All right, number one. Now, remember, if you can say yes, you step forward. No, step back. You never allow a door to slam in the face of another. Be honest, gentlemen. Oh, Shane, thank you. Thank you for your honesty, Shane. Logan says, okay, all right. Logan and Robert feel... Oh, baby steps, Robert. Come on. All right, thank you, Shane, for being honest. Question number two. You know how to stand in line and wait your turn. Shane, okay. Oh, wow. All right. Logan, you're two for two. Number three is keep shoes polished and fingernails clean. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, go, go ahead. Yep, all right. Logan has a sizable lead at this point. Number four, let's see number four. Make sure that his conversation doesn't disturb or annoy others. Yeah, I can answer that for you. Robert's debating, and he takes a step back. Might need to move that wall back back there a little bit. Number five. He doesn't check text messages in church service. I need three big steps back. That is a good, that is a good clarifying question. It's, it's doc today, so just go ahead and step, step back. Number six, doesn't pick his nose in public or in private. Mackenzie, you must be very proud. Number seven. Never tailgates while driving. Now, I need to clarify on this one. Listen, if they're, driving, if they're driving slow in the left lane, that's not your fault. That doesn't count, okay? That's not tailgating. That's you trying to educate the other driver on how to drive. So, okay, good. Thank you. Number eight, three left. Doesn't wear hat inside public buildings. All right. I appreciate that. All right, let's take a look here. I think Logan still has it by a nose. Y'all two are tied. Okay, we got two questions left. Here we go. Does it brag, whine, or beat around the bush? <laughs> Logan takes a ginger step back. Robert, Felicia? He says, she says you can step forward, yes! All right, Robert, you still, you didn't move. <laughs> Gosh, talk about passive, passive men. Number 10, the final question, waits for the lady to eat first. Logan says he does. <laughs> all right. Let's hear it for all three of our gentlemen here. Now, Miss Gail. Wait, wait, gentlemen. We have a prize for everybody. My assistant. I don't know where Miss Gail went, but Steve. We have for, uh, for our two runners-up, we have the book, How to Be a Gentleman. All right. For you, sir. For you. And for, you guys can go ahead and exit the stage. Get out of here. And for our winner, we have a very special guest to deliver a very special prize. Now, what is this? This is right bacon, okay? It's thick sliced, and it's personally... Congratulations to Logan Haynes, a true gentleman. Father's Day. Here at Cap City, we have a tradition. Father's Day means Bacon Sunday, which I think is cool. Now, it's not noticeable, but I have been on a diet, and my doctor said that seafood is good for diets, so I'm like, come on, guys, you can swim. <laughs> 
right? You can do it. The new chicken of the sea. So I thought it was appropriate to start out with a few uh, dad jokes about dads, okay? So here we go. What do you call a guy who is not a dad who tells dad jokes? A faux pas. <laughs> or give a guy a plane ticket and he flies for a day, push him out of the plane, he flies for the rest of his life. <laughs> who is Little Caesar's dad? Papa John. <laughs> what did the tree stump say to the newspaper? I am your father. <laughs> True story. My wife told me to sink her phone, so I threw it in the river. Not sure why she's mad. Two more. What did the buffalo say to his son as he walked out the door? Yeah. Not bad. That one's too easy. What do you call your dad's cheese? Nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. Never mind. Now, you're mocking me, but I'll bet you steal a couple of them this afternoon. <laughs> We've been uh, in a series digging into what are called the fruit of the Spirit. And here they are. The Apostle Paul says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's what he's talking about. When we become a Jesus follower, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, kind of takes up residence inside. He's always outside of us, working on us, but it's kind of like we invite Him in and He goes to work on us from the inside. And this is what He tries to do to every single Jesus follower. If you're a Jesus follower, this is what He's trying to do to you, to reshape you into what you were meant to be. You were created in the image of God. And life works best when we do life God's way. And these fruit of the Spirit are simply reflections of God's own character. He's trying to reshape us into what we were meant to be. And these look tame on the surface. They really do. But every single one of these virtues, if you understand them properly, is countercultural. They're counterintuitive. When they're done God's way, they're flat out hard and so powerful. We're talking about a God kind of love, a God kind of joy and peace, a God kind of patience, goodness, and faithfulness, a God kind of gentleness and self-control. See, we don't get to redefine Him. God is trying to shape us into what we were meant to be by His design. And I'm telling you guys that you will be the most you when you let your Creator shape you into what He meant you to be. That's life to the fullest. So it's Father's Day. And we're supposed to focus on gentleness. Of all of the fruit of the Spirit to drill down on on Father's Day, gentleness. If you grew up with the old King James Bible, the word is meekness. It's even worse. How many of you guys have meekness as one of your life goals? Me neither. How about gentleness? Well, if you understand gentleness God's way, it ought to be a life goal for every single one of us guys. One of the books that Ben and I have been using for this series says that gentleness is probably the least appealing 
of these fruit of the Spirit, at least for us guys. Because it's kind of counterintuitive, kind of countercultural to imagine that manliness and gentleness can coexist. You see, when a guy wants a model for being a guy, he doesn't go watch movies like Pride and Prejudice, Notting Hill, The Notebook, Legally Blonde, Mamma Mia, How to Win a Guy in Ten Days. When a guy wants a model for being a guy, he looks for a movie with Chuck Norris or Sylvester Stallone or Clint Eastwood or Bruce Willis, Jason Stratham, Daniel Craig, Vin Diesel, Keanu Reeves. By the way, they're making a new John Wick 5. Isn't that cool, guys? Sometimes we guys pray for patience. Sometimes we pray for purity, for self-control, maybe even for a deeper kind of love. But who prays for gentleness? By the way, I have. We're going to get back to that. Gentleness is something we want to see in our moms, in our wives maybe. Last week, Ben said that if you knew a person who was 90% gentle, you'd probably call her mom, right? But for a lot of guys, I suspect, at least older guys, we used to think of gentleness kind of as a weakness. Today, perhaps not so much. But still, I don't think we ordinarily connect gentleness with masculinity. Now, I've mentioned before that I am kind of weird, and the truth is I have prayed for gentleness. In fact, it has been one of my life goals because I am not naturally a gentle man. Very few people would call me gentle today. You should have seen how ungentle I was decades ago. If you dig around a little bit, you'll find that the opposite of a gentleman, this is what they say, the opposite of a gentleman is someone who's opinionated, dogmatic, blunt, someone who intimidates people, someone who makes others uncomfortable in their presence, someone who is judgmental. I've been called opinionated and dogmatic and blunt, cynical, someone who sometimes intimidates people, makes people kind of uncomfortable and perhaps a little too judgmental. I remember eating lunch one time at Kentucky Christian College, my first year as a prof there, and Dr. Lori Schreiner set her tray across the table from me, and she opened up like this. She says, I want to thank you, Steve. I have had the reputation as the toughest, meanest prof here at KCC. I think that's yours now. (laughs) I was proud of it. If a student said something that was dumb as a brick, I used to say, that's just dumb as a brick. If it hurt their feelings, big babies. When I was teaching classes at Atlanta Christian College, one of their revered profs asked me one time, Patterson, how did you get so cynical so young? I still remember the words. and They stung. Because I had an acerbic tongue, sharp, critical, sarcastic. And I began to notice that I had a boatload of friends, but very, very few close friends. Because I realized I wasn't very nice to be around. I was an ungentle man and therefore a very lonely man. And I began to recognize that my ungentleness was not God-honoring. In fact, it was sin. So I began to pray for gentleness. I began a quest to become more gentle. A futile quest, I should say, until I was broken. 
And then I started trying to cultivate kind of a God-honoring gentleness in some of the guys around me. <coughs> Excuse me. I was a soccer coach at the college for about nine years, and I kept referring to all of my players as gentlemen, always gentlemen. And to go along with that, we developed what we called the Knights Code, because we were the Kentucky Christian College Knights, so we had a Knights Code. Things like these. You fight fiercely, because that's what knights fight like. You fight fair, because we would rather lose with honor than win with dishonor. You have each other's backs, which means you don't strut around like you're God's gift to the team. And you respect the ladies like the knights of old would do. You don't use them, but you honor them and you protect them. The knights code, and we took it very, very seriously. And then here at Cap City, our staff still reads books together. So several years ago, I assigned a book that some of the guys still talk about. It's the one that they handed out on stage just a minute ago, How to Be a Gentleman, A Guide to Common Courtesy by John Bridges. It's a book about manners, the kind of stuff my mom tried drilling into me, rules like these. Say please and thank you, readily and often. Know how to stand in line and wait your turn. Respect people. Admit when you're wrong. We have a hard time with that, don't we? But do not say you're sorry unless you've given an offense, which is a fad now to apologize for things you didn't do. Don't use your cell phone when you're sitting down for a meal. Don't check your text messages in church. Don't use mail to avoid a tough conversation. Man up, guys. Don't wear a hat inside of a public building unless it has longhorns on it, according to Ben Webb. <coughs> Don't talk with your mouth full. And it also had that rule that you saw on screen, wait for the lady to take the first bite. So when we have a meal together as a staff, our guys still wait for the ladies to take the first bite. And sometimes the ladies make us wait. <laughs> they can be twits. By the way, there is a companion volume called How to Be a Lady, which I haven't assigned yet. Now, some of that stuff that we used to call manners sounds a bit countercultural now. I wish it wasn't. But bottom line, I'm going to teach about what I'm going to teach about gentleness this morning is flat out countercultural. Because God's way is different, but it works. What we see around us is a war on masculinity. It's not just a war on toxic masculinity. It's a war on masculinity itself. Because a whole lot of people out there are convinced that masculinity itself is toxic. That's not us. That's not us Jesus followers. Now, guys, there is a toxic masculinity that we fight too. I dug around a little bit last week trying to find out what people identified as a toxic masculinity. And some of the specifics that I kept running across were things like this. A propensity for violence, aggressiveness, bullying, the quest for dominance and power. They talk about emotional illiteracy. Guys, some guys just aren't in touch with their feelings. A sense of sexual entitlement, maybe misogyny. I mean, guys who look down on women. They talk about homophobia, which today means any kind of disagreement with the agenda of the LBGTQ. They talk about the propensity of many guys to take risks, 
You know what I'm talking about, the hold my beer stuff, right? They even talk about stuff like mansplaining and manspreading, and they even scold us for avoiding vegetables, which I thought was stupid. And their solution, our culture's solution for fixing toxic masculinity is a war on masculinity itself. They want to redefine or eliminate the masculine. We don't. We Jesus followers do not like toxic masculinity. We do not want men to bully, who use fear and violence to dominate others, who think they can use people, especially women. There is a toxic masculinity. But God's solution is not to eliminate the masculine. He invented it. God's solution includes stuff like love and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, that fruit of the Spirit stuff. God's solution for toxic masculinity is strength under control or a definition I even like better. Strength tempered by love. A God kind of gentleness. And by the way, ladies, this kind of gentleness is not just for us guys, but it's Father's Day, and I'm directing most of these things to guys today. Now, if you go all the way back to the beginning, to the creation story, God creates the heavens and the earth. If God didn't do it, you figure out how it got here. He creates the stars, the planets, the seas, the vegetation, the animals, and God looks around and He says, it's good. It's good. And on the sixth day, it says God creates us in His image. Here it is. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is huge. So God created human beings in His own image. Don't miss it. In the image of God, He created us. Male and female, he created us. Male and female, masculine and feminine, both in the image of God. This binary was God's idea. And this time when God looks at what he has made, he says, it's very good. Not just good, it's very good. Male and female, two different sides to the image of God. Complementary. And both very, very good. Do you buy that? And as with all of God's greatest gifts, both male and female are capable of great good and great evil. Masculine done God's way is very, very good. Masculine not done God's way can be very, very bad. It's the same with you ladies. Now, if you guys have been at Cap City for more than a week or two, you probably know that one of my heroes is an old dead guy named C.S. Lewis, an amazing Christian thinker. But Lewis reflected on how a real man is created to be both strong and gentle, strength under control, strength tempered by love. In fact, he found his model for Christian manhood in the Knight's Code of the Middle Ages, The kind of code that was lived out in the legends of guys like King Arthur and King Richard the Lionheart, Warrior King, Sir Lancelot, Sir Galahad, El Cid, William Wallace, Robert the Bruce. (coughs) Lewis quotes a line that was written about Lancelot. He says, Thou wert the meekest, the gentlest man that ever ate in a hall among the ladies. And thou wert the sternest knight to thy mortal foe that ever put a spear in the rest. 
man of blood and iron when necessary, but a man who was almost demure, gentle, modest, unobtrusive, Lewis says. Not a compromise between gentleness and ferocity, fierce to the nth degree and gentle to the nth degree whenever possible. Lewis says those are, there are those today who argue that this combative side of manhood is evil. He said it's not. He says chivalry, chivalry offers the only possible escape from a world that is divided between the wolves who do not understand and the sheep who cannot defend the things that make life desirable. Fierce and gentle. Strength under control. Strength tempered by love. That's God-honoring gentleness, I think. Guys, the world needs real men. The church needs real men. Our children, both our sons and our daughters, need real men as their fathers. Our wives need to be loved by real men. By the way, I ran across a book last week that some of you guys will probably hate, but I thought it was pretty good. It's a book by Josh Hawley, one of our senators from the state of Missouri. It's called Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. I think it's worth the read. And he roots what he teaches in both the Old and New Testaments. Now, I think that one of the reasons we tend to push back on the virtue of gentleness is that we get confused by the counterfeits. There are counterfeits to this God-honoring gentleness. They're not the kind of gentleness that reflect the image of God. For example, timidity. Timidity is a counterfeit gentleness. Some guys think that a gentle man is a timid man, a guy who lacks courage, a guy who lacks confidence, a guy who's easily daunted. Guys, timidity is not a God kind of gentleness. God is not timid. Or cowardice. Cowardice is pseudo-gentleness. It's counterfeit gentleness. Some guys act like they're helpless, scared. We have a gentle God, guys, but God is never, ever cowardly. And a God-honoring gentleman is not cowardly either. Or simply restraint, just restraint. You see, just because I restrain myself does not make me a gentleman. Some guys are smug. You know, if I wanted to, I could crush you like a bug. That's restraint, but it's not God-honoring. Or the Christian variation, I'm not going to fight back now, but someday God's going to crush you like the cockroach that you are. That's restraint, but it's not a God kind of gentleness. It's not strength tempered by love. <clears throat> so what is it, this God-honoring gentleness? Simplest definitions I have are these two. Strength tempered by under control, or my favorite is strength tempered by love. And again, guys, this isn't just for the guys. It's also for the ladies. There are a whole boatload of ladies who are not gentle, and they need a boatload of this kind of God-honoring gentleness. You see, guys, real gentleness reflects the kind of gentleness that we see in God. These fruit of the Spirit are simply reflections of God's own character, what we were meant to be. So ask the question, what if God was not gentle? What if the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, was not gentle? 
I mean, I don't care how big and strong you think you are. What if the God who actually spoke this universe into existence with words and who holds this unfathomably big universe in his hands, what if this omnipotent God did not temper his strength with self-control, with love? He'd squash every one of us like bugs, right? In fact, only a gentle God could love and be loved back. If God wasn't gentle, you might fear him, but I doubt you'd ever love him. So listen to the words of Jesus. This is how Jesus describes himself. This is how Jesus describes God. Come to me. All of you are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble, God says. I am humble, and I am gentle at heart, God says. And you'll find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give to you is light. An omniscient God who's humble. An omnipotent God who is gentle. And we push back against the virtues of humility and gentleness. God embraces those virtues more easily than we do. And aren't you glad he does? Because what if the omnipotent God was not gentle with you or with those you love? You'd be terrified of him. Very next chapter, Matthew 12, Jesus says, A bruised reed God will not break. A smoldering wick God will not snuff out. Have you ever tried nursing a troubled plant back to health? Maybe you put a splint on a bent stock or give it some extra water, light, fertilizer. Have you ever protected and nursed a small flame until it caught? Jesus says God is like that. He could just uproot the plant and toss it aside. He could just snuff out the flame and grab another match. But for some reason, he cares. Even when we are at our worst, even when we are at our weakest. Aren't you glad that the omnipotent God tempers his strength with love? So, like father, like sons and daughters, we were created in the image of God, and life works best when, it's, when we reflect the character of God. So these fruit of the Spirit, these God-like virtues that God's trying to cultivate in every single one of his Jesus followers, it's a God kind of love, a God kind of joy and peace, a God kind of patience and kindness and goodness, a God kind of gentleness and self-control. They're fruit of the Spirit, which means they are defined by God. And it also means that every single one of us is going to need His assistance if we're going to live them out. They are not the fruit of our hard work. They are the fruit of God's Spirit working inside us when we let Him. Because too often we push back. Because living this way is just hard. But it's worth it. So do you know what a God kind of gentleness looks like? Guys, I pulled up some pictures. Pictures of strength under control. Strength tempered by love. I love this first picture. Right? This is... A German shepherd, this is not a German shepherd playing Ozzy Osbourne, okay? That is a cat taking a nap in the mouth of a German shepherd, which is way more gentlest than I have ever felt for any cat. 
or this one. This is a German shepherd with a baby. I have a German shepherd. I love German shepherds. If you raise them right, they're going to love your family. They're going to eat anybody who threatens your kids. That is a God kind of gentleness, isn't it? Strength tempered by love. And I love pictures like these. Soldiers, warriors, loving on kids. That's gentleness. Strength tempered by love. I've got two more pics. Guys, I usually try to be humble, but I thought I would throw in a couple of pictures of me and my daughter, Alethe, when she was first born. Here they are. <laughs> That's gentleness. That's me and my daughter. And we're going to talk about humility next week. <clears throat> so, guys... What do we do as God-honoring gentlemen? Or you can flip it around. What do we not do because we are God-honoring gentlemen, men with strength, under control, tempered by love? Because all of these fruit of the Spirit are expressions of a God-like love. And ladies, even though I'm talking primarily to guys this morning, this stuff is for you too. Because a whole lot of you ladies need a boatload of God-honoring gentlemen, just as much of us guys. Here goes. Gentle men and gentle ladies are tough on themselves and tender with others. That doesn't mean we excuse sin. It means bruised reeds we will not break. Smoldering wicks we will not snuff out. It means that we are people of truth and grace. And gentleness means we watch our words. You hear some guys say proudly, I just say what I think and let the chips fall where they may. In fact, a lot of older guys simply throw away their filters. They speak what they believe to be the truth without love, and they hurt people. You ladies sin this sin too. Listen, we Jesus followers don't do that at any age. We respect people. And... God-honoring gentleness means that we do not use fear to control those that we're supposed to love. I'm not saying that a stupid kid shouldn't fear his God-honoring dad. And I'm not saying that your daughter's boyfriend shouldn't fear her God-honoring dad. And I'm not saying that those who would hurt those you love shouldn't fear you. It means your wife shouldn't fear you. She needs to know you love her. And it means that even though your kids should have some healthy fear, they ought to know how deeply you love them. Your friends and your colleagues need to know that you're going to have their back with truth and grace. It means we don't threaten, intimidate people to get our way. That's weakness, guys. It means we show respect whenever possible for the dignity of every man, every woman, every child we do life with because they are children of God loved by God. It means that we will do what we can to make others comfortable in our presence. We will never participate in their sin. We will never endorse their sin. But we will listen more than we talk. And when we talk, they will hear God's truth and God's grace. A God-honoring gentleness, it means that we're not threatened by those who disagree with us. We're not resentful. We're not scared. We do life lightly with this peace, with this joy, with this patience that can only come from God, with this kindness and goodness and this God-like gentleness. 
means we don't degrade or belittle or gossip about a brother or a sister who's struggling with some sin. I mean, we've all been there struggling with some sin. We're probably there now. Instead, we grieve each other's sin, and we do whatever we can to restore our brothers and sisters gently to our life with God, for God, God's way together, because that is the best life possible. And it means that we do our best to do life as gentlemen and gentle ladies, peoples with manners, polite, courteous, well-mannered, even chivalrous. Wouldn't it be cool to do life with people like that? Wouldn't it be cool if people knew that you were like that? It's Father's Day, so I've been speaking primarily to our guys, but remember, ladies, it's not just the guys who need gentleness. I could have preached this same sermon on Mother's Day to you ladies because a lot of ladies aren't gentle at all, God's way. And you don't get a free pass because you're a lady. If you have a propensity to be harsh, mean, bitter, if you try to intimidate or control your husband or your friends, if you have an acerbic tongue, then you have repenting to do too. God's Spirit is trying to reshape you too. Don't fight him. Bottom guys, bottom line guys, love God. Love God and love people God's way. And if you love God and you love people, do what you want. Because all of these fruit of the Spirit are simply expressions of those two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm telling you guys, the world needs gentle men. Men who are gentle God's way, strength under control, strength tempered by love. Our communities, our workplaces need gentle men, men who are gentle God's way. Our families desperately need gentle men, our wives, our kids. And this Father's Day, you need to be gentle men God's way. It's what you were made for. It's you at your finest, your best. Let's pray together. Father, you showed us how, but it's a daunting model. But help us not to settle for any less. We love you dearly. We want to live a life that honors you. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.
believe the words of that song? They're true for every single one of you. An omnipotent God who has this extravagant, overwhelming, reckless love for every single one of us. Lakato said one time that God would rather go to hell for you than go to heaven without you. We believe that's God's truth. And I hope you felt his presence here this morning. This is a chance that we can engage God in a variety of ways. 
Every week here at Capital City, we gather around the Lord's table. If you want proof of the extravagant, reckless love of God, it's right there. Went to the cross for us. Paid for our sins so we could do life with God forever. This is a time when we come and give Him thanks for what He has done for us and commit ourselves to being Jesus' followers all over again. I'm going to invite you to these tables in just a moment. If He's the King of your life, we want you to come. There's also an offering box there on the table. That's where we who call Capital City our home, that's where we give our first part back to God. It's an act of worship. There's also a white bucket there, an offering bucket. Um, it just, uh, that's just for a little bit extra. Every dollar that goes in that generous bucket just goes to love on people, either in this community or outside of our community. We just try to take care of people with those funds. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your grace. It is overwhelming. It's inexplicable. But you proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And when you raised Jesus from the dead, you proved that it's a promise that we can, that we can bank on. For your love, for your power, we give you thanks. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Welcome.
I think that that song is so perfect because I keep going back to something that Doc said at the beginning of this series. You guys can have a, a real, real quick seat. Um, you know, when we, we're finishing up this Fruit of the Spirit series, and he said at the beginning, he said, you can't have any of these, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, you can't have any of those apart from God, right? Because maybe you've been like me, and you've tried to cultivate this stuff, like, under your own power, try to, try to grab up gentleness, like, I'm just going to be gentle. You can't do that. That's why it's called Fruit of the Spirit, right? That's all you got to do. We just got to lean into him, and that's where all these things will be added to, right? Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, we are going to continue our staycation series next week. Uh, it will be Cookout Sunday, I believe. So uh, we're going to have uh, hamburgers, I think, on the grill and all that sort of thing. Uh, so come hungry like you did this week. And for now, I will say go with God and go with bacon. Thanks for being here. <laughs>